Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Hitting the Bar, the football podcast. I'm Chris Carl. I'm Jeff Saunders. I'm Steve Kenton. Yes, Steve Kenton is with us back for a little while, joining us on the podcast at the uh, pointy end of the season. Uh, so we are going to have a little look at what's going to be happening in over, over the next week and what's happened in the last week. But before that, Jeff, your trivia question. There is, I believe, just one team in the whole of the Football League, and that includes the Premier League, that can lay claim to being in every position in their division in a single season in one season <laughs> they've covered the lot so uh, we'll find out at the end of the show which team is it which team is it we'll find out all right let's start with the fa cup because steve has got a smug grin on his face not only have arsenal beaten liverpool in the league in the last week they are also against all our predictions beat manchester city now jeff and i you'll have heard from london listening to the podcast jeff and i have been very critical of arteta we call him the groundsman because he puts out the cones and waters the pitch but very little else however he did seem to find man city out what did you reckon of that game you guys that was a bit of a shocker i've got to be honest with you i was totally surprised because I, pre- I predicted a 3 or 4-1 defeat. I really thought we were going to get hammered. As good as Arsenal are, it did show the, the paucity of, of, of Manchester City and the vulnerability. Yeah, I think what, what that showed is if you can get past the press with Man City, and that back line, it's not terribly good, is it? No, no. They, they, Arsenal could have hit three or four uh, the, the other day. I mean, that's no understatement. Uh, and as, as I say, as good as Arsenal were, it was as bad as Man City. as bad a performance I've seen by City in the whole season you know it's a, it, it was a terrible performance yeah we were saying just before we started recording that Man City's goal difference and their points difference between them and Liverpool is a whole different thing they've only conceded six more goals and yet they've you know conceded 18 more points or whatever however you work it out so what's City's problem then uh, the defence the defence it is as simple as that it's the defence he's not good enough when they lost they lost Emerick Laporte for most of this season he was clearly going to be out a long time and they didn't replace him and they, they actually need because they lost fans on company as well they needed to buy last season two good centre-backs and they didn't buy any and that's cost them I mean ironically enough I mean they've conceded what 35 goals this season in in the Premier League so it's I think the second uh, second best record you don't expect that from City you certainly don't expect them to go down 2-0 I mean it, it was a real shock I must be honest I just did not did not see that coming no I don't think anyone saw it coming but you know let's be honest Arteta's been there he knows he knows where the weaknesses in City are going to be and people have been saying for a while if you can get past that press you stand a chance and of course the, the whole point of this Bielsa stroke Guardiola method of playing is the way you defend is you deprive the opposition of the ball and you know they can't score while you've got the ball so if you can get past that press which Arsenal did very very well you're in with a shout yeah I think what what has become very interesting is certainly uh, when he first was appointed Arteta was you know, there was, there was a lot of head-scratching going on from the Arsenal fans. Uh, throughout the season, there's been criticism of him. But to be fair, I mean, you know, Arsenal have only lost nine games all season. They've drawn an awful lot. But first of all, he's an, he's an emerging manager. He's not there yet. He's not by, there by any stretch of the imagination. And it takes time for any manager to bed in there. In, in recent weeks now, I know Liverpool had nothing to play for. But Arsenal have taken taken Liverpool apart. They took City apart earlier on in the no, season no, as no, well. No. Arsenal didn't take Liverpool apart. Liverpool had 24 shots and Arsenal had three. Yeah, but and yeah, the game it was, was, it was the, the result <laughs> that counts. The game was played in Arsenal's penalty area. <laughs> 
That's, they, Arsenal were just very lucky. The, you, you cannot compare the match against Liverpool, where Arsenal were just lucky, lucky Arsenal, to the to the City match where Arsenal, uh, where sorry, where Arsenal deserved to win. Arsenal were the better team, and as far as Arteta is concerned, for me, it was the first match this season where you can say, ah, I can I can see a shape now. I can see what he's trying to do. But but as we were discussing just just before we started recording this show, Arsenal hadn't beaten a top was it top four top six side. Top in, six. In Top six, yeah. 27 games, and they've done done it. Tw- well, actually, they've done it three times in the season, haven't they? So they've done Manchester City twice this season in the cup and in the league, and they've done Liverpool as well. So something's going on at Arsenal. They're, they're beca- certainly becoming a more resolute side. They're not getting beaten uh, as comfortably as perhaps they were under Emery. I know that Arsenal have obviously lost a couple of games coming back from the lockdown. I think every team has had a little bit of a, a, a bit of a strange period coming back from the lockdown, but. Arsenal look a really resolute, solid side, and I start. I, I, it looks like they are getting some sort of shape at the back, which is something Arsenal didn't have prior to the lockdown. Well, the, si- the, the shape they had before was pear-shaped, wasn't it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the people most surprised by the Arsenal defence are, are still the Arsenal defence. <laughs> 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 surprising themselves yeah you say Arteta is an emerging manager Steve but is is that what a supposed top six side like Arsenal really should be aiming for shouldn't they have taken Ancelotti waited for Arteta to hone his craft such as it is how I mean, a bit of a risk wasn't it well of course yeah I mean how, how long do you wait though Arsenal had the opportunity to take Jurgen Klopp they should have taken him when he was available they stuck with Arsene Wenger at the time in hindsight which is a wonderful thing look at Klopp now look at where Arsenal are and football cyclical as well you know you, you have peaks and troughs Arsenal at the moment haven't been pulling up any trees for the last few seasons despite the odd FA Cup win here and there you know will 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 an FA Cup win this season cover up any cracks um, it'll cover up some but but there's still a lot of work to do to Arsenal but you can certainly see the side is is emerging from that trough rather than falling deeper into it I think the issue for Arsenal is, is what happens in the next couple of seasons Firstly, can they keep Aubameyang? And I think the answer to that is no. No, and no, I agree with that. And they need they need reinforcement in a, a lot of areas, particularly the defence. And they need to be able to get their seventy-two million pound wonder kid Pepe to play every match, not just when he feels like it. And the huge problem sitting behind all of this, the elephant in the room, is all of that costs money, and they haven't got any. No, completely agree. Uh, I, I mean, Arsenal's. Arsenal's defence at the moment, I mean, if you're looking at Tierney, Bellerin, Holding and one other, then that that, that is Arsenal's defence. And it, it's not a bad defence now. I mean, they're starting to communicate, but what I really like, and I, I, I like Burnt Leno as a goalkeeper, but Martinez is looking fabulous. He really is he, looking good. He, he looks a lot more solid than Leno. Yeah, I, I'm very, really impressed with him, actually. He's very good. He, he's he's more vocal. He commands his area a lot better than than Leno. And I'm not knocking Leno because he's a really good keeper. It's just Mar- Martinez has spent ten seasons at Arsenal. He's their longest serving player. He's only played 32 games, and it leaves you scratching your head as to why he's only played 32 games. Because if he's that good, what has happened previously? Well, you say that. I think I, th- I think you're right about Martinelli. But you say the Arsenal defence are beginning to communicate now in the sense of what are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. That kind of communication. Well, that's been pretty much the case <laughs> yeah. all season, especially with David Luiz at the back. 
Well, well yeah. uh, th- that was the issue, wasn't it? David Luiz had a, a really good game against okay, City, and he's capable of having really good games. And, but he is equally as capable of having a, a David Luiz moment. Mm. I, I still don't see him as a central defender in a back four. Uh, no, you can put three. him in a, in a in three. A he, he's he's pretty. Uh, he, he's okay in a three. I see him more of a, more as a defensive midfielder. I don't see him as a as, a, as an outright central defender though to yeah be I mean his, his instinct is always to look to play the pass to do something mm. and defenders instincts are very different I mean I, I, I used to be a winger and I was I was comfortable I had the I had the sideline at my back I knew where the pitch was I knew everything and th- they asked me to play in midfield central midfield once and I was just completely lost because everything I was used to was completely different and in the time it takes you to think that you know a, a man can run 10 yards in the time it takes you to think a man can run 10 not yards ins- not instinctive so you have to think yeah, you have to no. think and that's a second a man can run 10 yards in a second mm. so you, you, you're dead immediately and this is the position David Luiz is in he's having to think John Terry never had for- just as well really fortunately <laughs> yeah. yeah but it, everything was instinctive he knew exactly what to do yeah I mean what, what John Terry lacked in pace and he, he I mean he had no pace but you're right you know he, his positional sense was excellent which made him one of the best defenders in the Premier League yeah but he also had fantastic teacher in Ricardo Cavallo didn't he yeah that, that's very true that's a really good point actually but if you look at David Luiz I mean his passing ability he's absolutely exquisite he's a really good he, he can see passes that you just think where did that come from well, if you want someone to ping a 60 yard pass to the foot of a forward David Luiz is your man so he's been played out of position then because that's absolutely. not a defensive absolutely. role at all yeah uh, yeah and we, we I mean you know on this show we've been saying this all since he arrived we've been saying this what is he doing being played in central defense so is that Arteta's fault then must be mustn't it Arteta Emery you know the, the J- just to defend the groundsman for a second uh, and I, prom- I promise I won't ever do it again yeah no I'm holding but you to account here yeah but he's a manager and he has certain assets and some of those assets are injured and he can't use them so he's got to put 11 on the pitch and he's got to try and come up with the best defence he can and sometimes that has had to be a 4 not, mm-hmm. not a 3 I think from now on he's going to default towards a 3 every single time he can because it worked well, it wor- well, if it worked against Manchester City... It should work against everybody, yeah. Well, yeah, you've just got to get them all to buy into it and say, OK, this is what we're doing, boys. Uh, th- there's also the question, is David Luiz actually a worse defender than Mustafi or Socrates? Oh, yeah, the competition's not great. That's the trouble. He's playing himself into a role that he doesn't need or want because the other people are worse than him. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. t- tell, tell you who's really emerged and uh, he's actually turning into a really decent player or he always was a decent player but now he's showing it, it's Granite Xhaka. Granite Xhaka looks decent. Since he uh, disgraced himself, which seems like a long time ago now. It, it was actually this season. It was yeah. this season, yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't believe he's, that. He's turned, he's turned it around. I mean, I, he looks the player that we actually bought. The one you thought he was, yeah. He looks the player who plays for Switzerland. Yeah, yeah, yeah he looks like a decent player. And, and it does make me wonder if if we do need to strengthen in that position because if he can continue in that that vein of form then I think we've got a really good midfielder there so suddenly David Luiz gets played in the right position Xhaka starts playing as he was expected to play and Arsenal suddenly look a decent team is that what yeah play players in their right 
I don't positions. like the sound of that at all. No, I really don't. but <laughs> if you play if you play players in their correct positions, mm. as as Jeff pointed out, you you start to function. You see things as you would a, a, a player in, in put a player in the central midfield. He he's got a field of vision that he's used to seeing. As, as Jeff rightly pointed out, you know, you, like you say, you can't play a winger in central midfield. It just doesn't work because you're not used to that position. So everything that Jeff said, actually, I I fully endorse, and I think that's why Arsenal are starting to look like a decent side. Well. Yes, starting is is, yeah. is the word there. They've got can to they keep con- the can they continue and can they get the players that can take them on to the next step? Because you're going to have to replace Aubameyang, mm. and there there are other things. I mean, Tierney Tierney I think will be a very very good fullback, and poten- you know potentially he is that good, but he's prone to the the odd, odd ricket, isn't he? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you you bring up Aubameyang, and and, and I agree with you. I don't think Aubameyang's going to be there next season, but there's no reason why Lacazette can't be shifted into Ab- Aubameyang's position bring Pepe across and, and, and use Pepe uh, uh, as a second striker rather than what he is at the moment which I don't know what he is I don't know what wh- what they're trying to do with Pepe because he looks like a player who's out of position as well mm. I think you're going to need another striker no matter where you play like I said you need a, a replacement for Aubameyang and there isn't one is there not at the price Arsenal are prepared to pay well, I don't think that, that's the issue and, and I mean that's me basically the amount of money they're willing to pay they get me or Steve or you know what I mean it's not they're not going to get a, a, an Aubameyang class player are they it depends how much money they can they can scrape together they ought to be able to get Jovic out of Real Madrid for 40, mm. 45 well, he's, yeah, he's, he's 45 50 million but if Arsenal can afford that I'll actually be surprised well, he is on the market because I think Real Madrid wants him out, don't they? He's had a nightmare there. Well, yeah, I don't think it's fair to say he's had a nightmare. I mean, he's been very, very badly treated. But yeah, I mean, a nightmare not... He's playing nightmarishly. Yeah. His personal experience yeah, has been a nightmare. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It but he's the genuine article. He's a 25-goal-a-year centre-forward. If Arsenal can get Ertzel off the, um, off, the wage bo- off the wage book as well, that might help us. Uh, the, the, the best you can do is you, you subsidise half his half yeah, wages. Yeah, if that's what they're, where they've got to go with that, then so be it, because yeah. they're not going to play him. I mean, you know, and I like Ertzel. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a player that's that's lost his way because uh, Ars- Arsenal, in the uh, past couple of seasons, have lost their way. He has, he has a bit, but he knows his way to the bank, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he lost his way in the German team as well. Which which kind of suggests that it is him, not not mm, the place yeah. where he is, doesn't mm, it? Possibly. And, and he, you know, uh, from a very very promising start in that German team with Sami Kadira, he then started to play when he wanted to play, and at Arsenal he plays when he wants to play. Yeah, and I you, mean, you don't want that in, the, in the central midfielder. You looking for somebody to dominate that? P- that he, place. He's been a bit of a flat track bully, really. I mean, he, you know, he's played well against lesser sides. You put him up against Liverpool, Man City, Man United, and Chelsea, and he just disappears. Yes, Arsenal coming around a little bit you know we're, we're both Jeff and I have been very critical of Arsenal as everybody has really we've got to hold our hands up and say decent performance against City are they turning it around maybe it's too early to tell too late in the season but Tottenham of course five points above Arsenal Arsenal have got a game in hand uh, and Arsenal are going to be playing Aston Villa and Watford and Watford yeah so they've got quite an easy sort of run in however Tottenham's performance against Leicester on Sunday even Jeff held his hand up and said that they put in a solid performance and I would say that it's taken him a while but maybe Mourinho is stamping his authority on and his style of play, such as it is, on Tottenham. And because they they've been very very good the last, they've they've lost one in the last I don't know what it is nine games, something like that. Seven. They've lost one in the last seven games. Uh, they've won three in a row, and they were very very good against Leicester. The other point is everybody's saying Harry Kane, you know, d- is not playing well under Mourinho. He scored 13 goals in 18 games. You don't want much better than that from a striker. Well, no. Uh, although in fact, if you look in history, Kane 
Kane's return overall is better than that. But I, th- I think the situation, I believe the situation is more down to Kane getting match fit. Yeah, he's been out a while. Than yeah. down to Mourinho. And and every time that you see these nonsense stories in the newspapers about, you know, what is Kane and what's he good at and what's he, no, no, is he really that good? It's always on the back of him coming back from an injury. And he does appear to be injury prone. Yes, that's his only his only fault, I think. Because I think it is. If yeah. you, the last three games that you and I have watched together, Kane has been, even when Tottenham have not been great going forward, he's been, you've seen him on the halfway line, collecting balls and starting the attack yep. again. You've seen him heading balls out for a corner to save save a goal going in against them. He's all over the pitch, working hard. I, I, I think if, if you wanted to see a sign of Mourinho, it will be when Kane stops doing that. When Mourinho says, look, you've only got so much energy in, in 95 minutes here. Stop doing that, please. Stay at we the got, front. We've got defenders who can do that. Mm. Well, we haven't. I, I, <laughs> I, I actually think that Kane's also got an awful lot of control and, and, and carries a lot of weight in the dressing room. Um, I mean, it's no secret that, that obviously when Kane's back, Tottenham improve. But I don't think that's necessarily just on the pitch. I think off the pitch as well. Off the pitch, I think that he's such a massive influence in that dressing room. He, he gives Tottenham that extra percentage to play a lot better than perhaps they should be playing with the quality of players that they have at the moment. He's definitely highly liked by all the other players. Um, there was a big reveal yesterday, I think it was on Sunday. He posted it on Instagram and everywhere else. Gender reveal, because his wife is pregnant and they're going to have a baby boy. Uh, and it was all very ha- a very normal family looking and everything. And all the other players are congratulating him. And I, I do I do feel that he is that kind of steadying influence, just as a family man and a good guy. It, not necessarily a leader leader, but just somebody that people like. And well, that that's a big deal. Yeah, I think uh, I, I agree with that. And, and he definitely is a leader. He, he is a leader leader as well. Did you know he's sponsoring Orient? Leighton Orient. He's sponsoring Leighton Orient. He's sponsoring them. Yeah. Not, is that allowed? A, yeah. They need a, they need a sponsor, and he's got the money, and he he enjoyed his time on loan there. He's sponsoring them. I don't know. Is that, I, I think that's great that he's he's using his money in that way to save a little football club. Yeah. All due respect to Leighton Orient, the O's. No, no, you know. <laughs> little football club. They're massive. <laughs> they're a massive side. Um, have you been there? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but seriously though, is that is that actually allowed to be involved in another football club? Um, it's not like Leighton Orient are a threat to Tottenham's position, no, exactly. but and, uh, and, uh, I, I, th- I think it is allowed. But yeah, yeah, well, well I, done. I him. think well I think you him. can have involvement as long as they're not in the same division. It's something yeah. that something along those lines. Must be the same division thing then. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. But it's a very it's a very sort of human thing for him to it do. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I what think I think that's what he's about. That's what I was saying about him. You know, showing the family reveal and the delight on his wife's face, and they all look very normal. And I think he is a very human. Obviously, he is, but a very human person. Yeah, in a sense, very normal, grounded, down-to-earth guy. And that is the probably only hope we've got of Kane staying at Tottenham is that, that he is that kind of person, that he might stay. Yeah. The other but nobody's ever come in for him yet. What will happen when somebody does? I, I think what will happen when he, he realises I'm, I'm 26, 27 and I've got to start winning something. So, I mean, basically, the the Euros next year might be his best chance of winning anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still maintain he's after Alan Shearer's Premier League record, which I think he might well get as well. Wouldn't well. he rather have a Champions League Champions League winner's medal than beating Shearer? Going to Madrid and winning the Champions League or staying at Tottenham and in five years' time, everybody say, well done, you've beaten Shearer's record. You've won one League Cup in that time. Um, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, but Kane's likeable when Shearer isn't. <laughs> well, there is that, yeah. But <laughs> you know, another interesting fact about Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. He's got two golden retrievers. Has he now? <laughs> yeah. And 
you know, which, which is always a sign of a good person. If they own, gold, <laughs> gold, if you own golden retrievers, you're, you know, you're I don't know any bad person who owns a golden retriever. <laughs> uh, and he's named them Brady and Wilson. After Liam Brady and Bob Wilson? Strangely, no. No. <laughs> After Tom Brady and Russell Wilson, quarterbacks of the New England Patriots. Well, that's no, 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 no. I don't, I don't believe a word of that. It's Bob Wilson <laughs> and Liam Brady because he played for Arsenal for about a week, did Harry Kane. And no. that just goes to prove that doesn't make him a good person because he's named them after Arsenal players and he's forever kicking his dogs. He's named them after two, two the best two quarterbacks in the uh, NFL. He's yeah. a big fan of uh, American very football. Big yeah. Fan, yeah. Yeah. And because, of course, the Tottenham Stadium, the beautifully named Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, is used for American football. It is, yeah. yeah so Tottenham, looking quite good under Mourinho. There is a statistic, of course, that mm. if you take it from get match day 14, I think it was, when uh, Mourinho's first game, if you take the league from that point on, Tottenham would be in the top four. And if you look at the current top five, for Tottenham to finish sixth, I would be delighted this season because you've got you've got Liverpool who've been outstanding, Man City are always good. You've got Chelsea, Leicester, and Man United, five teams who have been exceptional this season. So for Tottenham to even finish six, I think is pretty good, which we may do. And for them to have been in the top four under Mourinho, considering we were 14th and not looking like moving from 14th when he took over, despite himself, Jeff, or because of him, either way, that's not bad. No, it's very good. It's very good. Yeah, um, you know, I'd I'd still question Varchester. United being up there, you know. <laughs> get a penalty, win the game, Manchester United, you know. Yeah, they don't seem to win when they don't get a penalty. The, and there <laughs> it's, it, it's not just that they've got the most penalties, I, th- I think, in Premier League history this season, but also the number of opposition goals that have been wiped out by VAR is mm. very, very high. Well, VAR's a whole, a whole different beastie, isn't it? I mean, we, why? I still can't understand why referees can't routinely go to the side of the pitch, look at a screen, make a decision, boom done right that's the sensible thing and the obvious thing to do and so you have to ask why are they not doing it and it's because mike riley who runs the limited company that chooses referees in other words it is a profit-making organization okay let's let's just get that out there it operates the way riley wants it to operate for his reasons now on an entirely different subject and which bears no relation at all to mike riley and and referees or anything like that it's completely different okay more money is bet every weekend in China on the Premier League than the Premier League TV contract over five years, every single week. Now, please please tell me that it's okay to have betting associated with football, having them sponsor you, having, having betting companies owning football clubs when that is happening. And wouldn't it be, if you were somebody running a, a bookie in, in China, wouldn't it help to have somebody controlling what the referees do mm. to affect the results? Wow. Yeah. Mm, yes. I mean, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it, sounds, it sounds almost far-fetched, but actually it sounds extremely logical and very, very likely. Because we've said on the podcast before, when you all remember in the 80s and 90s, all the scandal of, of fixing matches in Italy and everybody went, oh, well, that's Italy. Why do, why do we not think that could happen in England? What's the difference? And it's happened much more recently than that in Scotland. Yeah, so we're not immune yeah, from no, any that, of that. That's very true. I mean, look, you know, without wishing to to sound off, the the Chinese culture is very. Uh, they've got a huge betting culture in China anyway. You know, they bet on on two raindrops going down a window, and and that that that's just the type of culture that that 
operates in China and and in some other countries as well. So does this mean that the Premier League could be corrupted by a betting entity from yeah, China? Well, certainly, yeah. yeah. I mean, but I think any league could be corrupted. Not not, and and it could come from any country as well. So I I think every, anywhere there's football, anywhere there's money, it's always open to corruption or manipulation. Manipulation is a good word because mm. uh, yeah, because that's what happens when a VAR decision is made. It's manipulating the game. It's not changing the game, but not with a full stop at yeah, the end of I it. I mean, rug, rugby union has has th- the same thing, VAR. And, and the big difference is it's on a big screen at the ground where everyone can see it and the referee gets a message from the, the their equivalent, the VAR, saying there's something you should look at. You, referee, should look at. So the referee looks at it and you hear the, the conversation between him and the VAR guy and he's saying, oh, look at this, right, there it is. We think that's a forward pass. And the referee looks and says, no, no, I'm I'm okay with my decision. And, right. and right. everyone in the crowd hears what's being said. They say, yeah, okay, we understand. We disagree or we agree, but yeah. We disagree, but we understand it. There, there's transparency there, yes. and that, that, that that's the issue. And you're, the, you're also, you're looking at the referee's uh, ability to make a decision as well, because mm. when, once you start removing the ability to make a decision from the referee, well, what's the point in having a referee at all if you're exactly. going to just have VAR in Stockley Park? What's, there's no sense in having a ref. Well, when, when, we, when we played in the park as kids, we didn't have a referee, did we? No. <laughs> of course, he didn't stop to n- a couple of knee-high tackles taken. He did every day. Again. I know, I know, but we, we, if you if you believe you need a referee, then allow him to be a referee. Yeah, I yeah, wonder. I, I, wonder with that. I wonder if kids now in the park, like we used to play, now that you've got videos on your phone, they ask somebody to video it. So if there's a, if there's a dispute, little kids can go and have a little look at the video, have their own little VAR. Well, it'd be good, wouldn't it? It would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. But let's be honest. If if the referee could have a little look at the pit side monitor, as happened once during this last week, the referee went ran across, had a look, made his decision, came back, and in rugby, Jeff does because people say oh Mike Riley says it would take too long to do it that way it takes three and a half minutes to decide the most obvious handball you've ever seen in your life mm. it, it happened at the weekend the, they say that the, the, to change the decision the result it must be clearly and obviously wrong if it's clearly and obviously wrong you can you can see it in a second by definition it is clear and obvious yeah. if it takes you three and a half minutes then it was not clear and obvious what, one, one of the things I mean I, 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 you weren't with us at the time Jeff but we, we started watching the uh, Burnley Norwich game didn't we or Norwich Burnley on um, Saturday after after the show on on Global and um, there was a sending off and I forget who got sent off. It was the second Norwich sending off. It was a t- it, w- it was literally a two footed tackle completely off the ground. It was so obvious those who were completely visually impaired would have been able to see it. It was that obvious and yet, and yet it still <laughs> had to go to VAR. Why? What was the purpose yeah. of taking it to VAR? I mean, everybody was watching the game and the commentators on the TV. As soon as the tackle went in, everybody went, oh, ouch. It was quite clear. And then, oh, wait a minute, it's going to VAR's feet were up before it even left the dressing room, weren't they? I mean, it was well, dreadful. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'll tell you what, it reminded me of, uh, there was a tackle on, um, I think it was um, Boateng, uh, and, and it kind of made his shin flex. And that was a, a good few seasons ago. It reminded me of that tackle. It was as obvious as that. Yeah, never in any doubt, red card. But my point was that in rugby, does it take any longer or less time for him to go to the pit side monitor than it does to go to Stockley Park? No, of course no. not. Let's uh, let's move on. We all know VAR is not working. The technology is great. The technology is impartial, but the people running it are not. Indeed. And certainly not. They are fallible. That is for sure. They're changing the handball rule, aren't they? So from, not from shoulder, but from under the armpits. Not to make the rule better, but to make it easier for the people in VAR, I think. Hold, hold on. Haven't they just changed that to the shoulder? I'm, yeah. I'm kind of slightly lost. Oh, no. Lost as to 
as to where this no, is it's going. It's always been the shoulder. It's now the bottom of the armpit. Okay, that that kind of makes almost makes sense. But you know, where <laughs> does the armpit stop yeah, and the yeah. and the arm well begin? That's the point. They're going to have to make shirts that have got a different colour in that that, <laughs> that area. Seri- yeah, seriously, yeah. they will. Thing, you know, yeah. we, are we talking armpit hair or 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 skin? This is the problem. Nobody they, knows. They, they will they will make shirts which have a different colour there, and they will rule. But then the question will be: Is it the front of the ball that touches, or the side, or all the ball, or you know? But again, th- this is such a simple thing to deal with. Handball should be f- anything from the elbow down to the end of the fingers. Everything above it is not your hand. It's your arm. It's different. It's a different part of the body. All they need to do is go back to the original rule, which was perfectly perfectly good and trust the referees to get it right and if they make a mistake sometimes well okay they're making mistakes VAR makes yeah. mistakes as well so the thing that's brought in to eliminate mistakes is not eliminating mistakes so why not go back to referees being in charge that's what we have referees and a pitch side monitor yeah and that should be it all right let's move on because uh, we've got a lot to get through Watford have sacked Nigel Pearson with two games to go Watford are known for sacking managers the next manager apparently will be their 13th manager in nine years I mean I was quite surprised Sean Dykes was there 13 managers ago but they sacked him they sacked Nigel Pearson before Bournemouth against Southampton which was a game that had some bearing on Watford's relegation battle but they didn't even wait for the result of that they sacked him apparently after and I'm sort of quoting frank discussions between Nigel Pearson and the chairman uh, but there must be more behind that why were two games to go and they've they've appointed the under 23 coach who, as interim manager for the two games who they'd appointed as interim manager before Pearson took over yeah I mean I my first reaction to this was to think that Pearson was on a big bonus for keeping them in the Premier League and they don't want to pay the bonus. <laughs> so knowing that they're safe, they fire him. He's not there for when for when the, the bonuses come round. Yeah, that's I mean the only thing I can think of that makes I any sense. He must have upset somebody there or something because it seems weird, Steve, that two games to go. What difference is that going to make not having him there? You, you look at the difference that a win, three points, make um, in a, amongst a group of five or six teams that have averaged less than one point per match. So three points is a huge result, particularly with only two matches to go. So the... Th- the you know, theory, if we can call it that, is that if this, if they can get this new manager bounce in just one match, well, uh, just just safe. to break it to you, they're playing City tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're, and they're playing they're Man City tonight at home, and then the next game is against uh, Arsenal. Yeah, and that's in the right. Last, yeah. last two matches against Man City, well, combined them, they've lost fourteen nil. <laughs> yeah, so well, if Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, Solskjaer, and Jurgen Klopp all came in to manage those last two games for Watford, they still lose them. So what? difference does it make uh, well I, I i can't see that it makes any difference at all to be honest but it's i think at Wat- watford because they've sacked that that's be, it'll be four managers in one season this season 13 in nine years they don't mind pulling the trigger do they the Watford owners um, I think it's a, it's a churlish thing to say but they kind of deserve to go down as punishment for being such arseholes <laughs> <laughs> say what you think Chris yeah. no I, I, I think I think that's probably quite a fair comment actually I, I think they do deserve it mm. um, but also you, you've got to bear in mind that the, the Pozzo family when they owned the three clubs one in Spain uh, Watford and Udinese it is v- highly questionable what they were doing, moving players between those three clubs as and when they needed them. So, oh no, oh no. Watford needs some players. I oh, will ship some over from Udinese on loan. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very questionable. So yeah, they deserve to go down. I'm, 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 l- 
looking at uh, Aston Villa's last two games, West Ham and Arsenal, mm. they're not going to be easy games. I, th- I fancy West Ham to win or at least get a draw. I mean, West Ham is safe. Arsenal, got, uh, Arsenal could actually send both Watford and Villa down, but Bournemouth's last game is interesting because they've got Everton. Everton have got nothing to play for. They can't change position. Um, and uh, yet they won last they night. They can't go up anyway. They won they last dropped. night, didn't they? Which, they really, again, a nothing game for them. And they it was a shocking game. Mm. Yeah, true enough. But they, they did beat Sheffield United, uh, who've been great all season. So Everton could still be playing in that game. But, yeah, Aston Villa and Watford could both get sent down. I mean, Norwich are already down. Aston Villa yeah. second from bottom. Bournemouth, lot of they've been quite good lately, though, Bournemouth. They've been unlucky. Yeah. They've been yeah. erratic. They've been erratic, but they have been unlucky. Out of Watford, Bournemouth and Aston Villa, who would be your pick to stay up, guys? I mean, who do you think is better? Be- who's the better team that deserves to stay up? Bournemouth. Pro- probably Bournemouth. Because Watford, when Nigel Pearson took over, Watford started looking like quite a good mid-table team. Well, they if if they'd had him for the whole season and performed on average per points, th- you know, average points per game, the same as they have under Pearson, they would be above Everton mm. at the moment. But unfortunately, the the damage was done, and they've gone and done some more damage now. Yeah, he he rescued them, and you, you can you can criticise their their performances since the since the lockdown. They were really on form going into the lockdown. It really damaged them, mm. and they they don't seem to have got going again. Yeah, yeah. Th- 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 this is an important factor that we don't really take into account you know they, these guys haven't played football for the best part of nearly three months that's going to take its toll you've got no crowd there you're going to get strange results getting produced and you're going to see teams that were performing well before the lockdown suddenly drop like a stone i mean you look at leicester leicester all of a sudden are just starting to fall to pieces yeah yeah, they've been dreadful, haven't they, since the, the, the restart. So, I mean, even himself, Brendan Rodgers, said that the last few performances have not been of a top-four team. Um, he's very disappointed. I can imagine. They could still drop out of the top four. Man United should probably yeah. do it. I, I think it's likely they'll drop out of the top four. Leicester have been incredibly unlucky with injuries. Not 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 the number of them, but the Key players. It, it, it's all their best players. I don't think he's he's been able to put his, his top four players on the pitch together once this season. Yeah, they have been unlucky with that that's they're, true they're, they've also been very very fortunate with Vardy still producing the goods I mean what 33 years old he can't continue in that fan he's still running around like a 27 year mm. old but I, I fear for them slightly next season because I, I think you're looking at a mid-table side next season I think Bard, Vardy gonna slow down. Is gonna, he's going to slow down at some point they've not got a ready-made replacement for Vardy so I, I think that and yeah he's probably going to win the golden boot this season yeah top player yeah, top scorer and, and despite being out for a significant part of the season yeah like Kane like he was out for a long time, yeah. yeah. I, d- I just don't see him being able to continue in that vein for next season. I really don't. Well, I think he's got a couple more seasons. I mean, th- these players can stay and stay much fitter for much longer. Yeah, we'll see Cristiano though. Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo, I mean, he looks exactly. he's got the body of a 20-year-old. So, yeah, all right. We think Watford and Aston Villa are going to go down. Bournemouth, I mean, their stadium, we were saying, Jeff, the other day, 11,500 yeah. stadium, been in the Premiership for five years, punching above their weight a little well, bit, yeah, I mean really. Promoted sides it, since the Premier League started average 3.8 years in the in the Premier League before they go down again. Go down again. Bournemouth very much punched above their weight. Of course, the big problem for them, the huge problem if they go down, is that they broke the the Football League fair play rules in the Championship to get promoted. 
and the penalty, sort of thirty million fine or something like that, will apply if they go down. They haven't got thirty million pound to splash yeah, out that's either. What I'm saying it's so they problem. desperately, desperately got to stay up. But but it it is it's they who create or created the offence, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're yeah. the ones who've yeah, that's a blank. Yeah, they're just avoiding yeah. it by avoiding relegation. If they get end up with a thirty million pound fine, that's Callum Wilson gone for a start, and then just about Any, uh, anybody uh, that get money. Any for other uh, about three players will go, maybe four, yeah. just to finance that. Well, I mean, Nathan Ack is off to Man City for thirty-five million. They yeah, said yesterday. So, so they've covered it. They've covered it yeah, somehow. Maybe, yeah. But they'll be left struggling in the Championship if they if if that happens. Well, they they might be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that that they'll go into free fall. I mean, if you look at the Championship, the Championship is the Premiership light. You know, most of those sides that are in the Championship have been in the Premiership relatively recently. In in sort of living memory, they're, and they're all good sides. You know, they're all good sides. So Bournemouth, if they if they end up sanctioned, they're going to have big trouble. Well, they, they've got the parachute payment, remember, which the other sides in the in the championship don't have. So you know, they've got a, a financial advantage. Swings and roundabouts. They use, they use their parachute payment to pay the fine. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, here's your parachute payment. Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> it's yours. All right. Just before we have a little look at the games coming up before the next podcast, you mentioned that the championship, Leeds United have pre- been promoted. What I'm looking forward to, I just want to give you a the stories uh, and then just have a chat about Leeds. I'm looking forward to seeing Bielsa giving press conferences and interviews because their manager Bielsa uh, is quite a character. Uh, there was a, t- a time when uh, his team uh, in Argentina lost lost a cup game and a load of ultras came outside his house. So he went outside with a grenade in his hand and his finger in the r- in the ring pool and said, "Any if you don't go away now, I'm going to pull this and we'll all get blown up." And then when he lost lost the championship in Argentina, he went and lived in a monastery with nuns for three months to punish him himself because he felt so guilty so he is a character but what do we make of Leeds going up uh, what are they going to bring they're going to bring attacking <laughs> attractive football and will they keep Bielsa because he's on a one-year rolling contract uh, knowing knowing Bielsa's history he'll probably resign but um yeah <laughs> I mean that's kind of what he does yeah I've done my job but I'm off I'm, yeah. I'm sure he'll want to stay and, s- and see I what I he can I do I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing him unicycle to work or something like that you know so just doing something yeah. completely <laughs> yeah. bizarre uh, he, he's going to be good entertainment value forget Forget Leeds. Bielsa's just going to be the entertainer. He's the entertainer. I mean, when you say unicycle to work, it's probably not far from the truth. He, li- he lives above a shop in Weatherby, yeah. in a little one-room flat. He never. He, he uses public transport. Uh, he walks to, to work every day. Apparently, people have stopped offering him a lift, and he said, no, I'm all right. I mean, he's, he's an interesting character, and I think that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and, and Leeds have been playing brilliant attacking, attacking football. football yeah. I, I think Le- Leeds could actually do quite well. I think Leeds could do what Sheffield United have done, actually. I, 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 they're a good side. They're a, they're a really decent side. They need a goal scorer. I mean, mm. Patrick Patrick Bamford is not the answer in the Premier League. No, no, having said that, now now that I've said that, and people can go back and check, you'll find Bamford will get 25 goals next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 16 years since he's been out of the Premier League. I think they've had more managers than the years have passed. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, the, the list of managers goes on and on there. They've they been a bit of a rocky road. So he's been there two years now, Bill, to kind of steady the ship a bit. Yeah, very much so. Well, he's turned them into a really, really good mm-hmm. football team. It was a hell of a ship that needed steady. And I mean, under David O'Leary, you know, uh, and the whole spending spree that 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 was Leeds United. They, they actually looked an incredibly good side as well. People forget, you know. I know a lot of money was spent at Leeds, but they they did look the real deal. And to see how they fell from from grace, if you like, been 
in the doldrums for what 15 16 seasons you know it, it's it was sad to see because they they are a good side they're a well supported side the, the supporters are great you know they they're a, they're a big club they really are yeah just just to sort of clarify what you said they did really really well under O'Leary and then they started spending the money yeah, Rid- yeah that's the point yeah, yeah Ridsdale yeah. went out and he borrowed from the bank 60 million to buy the players that he believed would take them to the next level mm. and of course they were worse than the ones who who they already had and that's when they they went into administration or something like that. But the irony is, David O'Leary was the one who took the flack for that, and it wasn't really it wasn't O'Leary's him. fault. It, w- it was all Ridsdale. And th- th- there's one story which sums Ridsdale up perfectly. They w- they bought a left back from Charlton. I can't remember the the, the kid's name, but it was uh, it was quite a big si- a huge signing at the time. And the, the, this left back is talking to his agent as they go into the meeting with Ridsdale, and the, the agent says, "Look, leave it with me, and I'll, I'll get you twenty thousand a week." Like, oh, oh, that would be fantastic. So they go into the meeting and they introduce each other blah, you know, blah 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 have a cup of tea etc and they, they start off and the first thing that Ridsdale says is okay I'm not going to offer you a penny more than 30,000 a week <laughs> so, so this, this oh. the fullback looks at the agent uh, the agent saying shut up, shut up <laughs> yeah. but, you know, pretend like you're disappointed fabulous listen we've got to move on this Sunday we'll see the end of the Premier League uh, but some teams do ha- still have two games to go as I always say this podcast won't go out till tomorrow evening Today, the 21st of July, Tuesday, there are two games. Watford against Man City. I think we've just already said Man City to win that one. How many will City get, I think, is the question. Yeah, that's more than... <laughs> OK. Yeah, and can, can Watford end up with a minus score as opposed to zero? Yeah, I mean, there'll be no new manager spike bounce back there. No. Nope. But it'll be interesting to see how the players react in general. Aston Villa against Arsenal, same thing, I think. Yeah, I, c- I can see a 1-0 win. It won't be a big score. You don't think it'll be a big nah. score? Jeff, Aston Villa, Arsenal. Yeah. Aston Villa desperately need to win that game. They, they must win. They've got to come up with something. So, draw. <laughs> yeah, but a draw is the, the least likely result, isn't it? It's the it one is, that happens yeah. least often. I'll, I'll, I'll go against the grain and say, no, Villa are going to win. They're going to wow. make it interesting at the bottom. And I'm going to go for the least likely draw. Uh, Wednesday, Man United against West Ham. Fascinating game. West Ham are safe now, Jeff. Happily for you, I think West Ham are safe, and I think Man United will win by by two by two goals, whether I think it's three one or two nil. After that FA Cup shock loss to Chelsea on Sunday, I think Man United will bounce back. The other game closer than uh, Man United West Ham Liverpool Chelsea, big game for Chelsea. Although Leicester are faltering, so Chelsea's position in the top four is pretty much done for. Mm, we, we've we've discussed Chelsea's keeper and 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 the back back line in the past I think Liverpool 2 or 3 1 well, Liverpool have been pretty bad since they won won the title they've yeah, sort of really taken the foot off the gas Chelsea beat Liverpool in the cup so there's no reason why they they have to lose so what are you saying I think Liverpool will win <laughs> Superb. And then on Sunday, everybody plays at 3 o'clock kick-off uh, in the UK. Let me just run through all 10, ten games. Arsenal-Watford. Arsenal? 4 or 5 nil. 4 yeah. or 5 nil. Wow, we don't like Watford, do we? We don't reckon their chances at all. No. Nah. Burnley against Brighton. Burnley. Brighton safe. Bur- Bur- Burnley, Burnley 2 or 3 nil, I reckon yeah. there. Yeah, all right. Chelsea against Wolves. Oh, now, as a Tottenham <laughs> fan, I would like to see Wolves lose that one so that we you know, we do need that sixth place. OK, my theory, Chelsea are going to want to keep their players fit for the FA Cup final. I think Wolves are going to do Chelsea by, by a single goal. Wow. Um, right. And, and it, it, it's good for Wolves. 
you know, that, that it will cement their European credentials. So they yeah. do need to win that. They, they do, do need to win, yeah. yeah. And I will tell you how they're going to do it. There's a lot of rubbish talked about uh, Chelsea's defence, and, and it, most of it, 99% of it is rubbish. There is, one <laughs> a, there is one area where Chelsea are noticeably worse than most in the Premier League, and that is conceding goals from counter-attack. And what do Wolves do? They're inside. Yeah. All right, so we think Wolves could do Chelsea at Chelsea. Big one for me, Crystal Palace against Tottenham. Crystal Palace have lost, it, people have lost count of how many games they've lost in a row now, I think seven or whatever it is, but they have lost a lot of games since the restart. They haven't they haven't won a match since Tutankhamen died. Have they? <laughs> well, I don't know what the what the link is there between the two, but there you are. But Crystal Palace are at home to Tottenham. I just have that dreadful feeling that it'll be the game that Crystal Palace turn around their losing streak and stop it. Tottenham I need to win that. They've got to win it. We beat Leicester. We, we put ourselves in a good position to finish sixth, depending on what Wolves do. But if no, we win I that... I can't see Crystal Palace being bothered. I, I, I'd love to say 1-0 to Crystal Palace, but I won't. I think it's just going to be a 1-0 win to Tottenham. All right. Uh, Everton against Bournemouth. Well, if, if we're going to say, as we did before, that Bournemouth will stay up, they've got to win that yeah. match, aren't they? Yeah, and I mm. think that they will win it as well. Oh, all right. And I think that's 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 going to be a tight game. But I think it'll be a disappointing draw and Bournemouth will be waiting the results of the other games. Uh, Leicester against Man United. That's a big one. That is a that big one. That's a big one, one for that. top four. Both teams need to win that one to get in the top four. Leicester yeah. against Man United. And Chelsea be praying for a draw. Chelsea be playing, yeah. yeah. G- given Leicester's current form, I, I mind you saying that, Man United the other day, it's, it's a really hard, mm. tough one to call. Do you know what? I'm going to go with a nil-nil draw. Nil-nil. Wow. Nil-nil. Mm. I'm going to go for 2-2. Two, two. Just to be bizarre. But I think it'll be one of those games where they're both desperate, which they are, mm. and it'll be one of those where just going up to the last minute, one of them will equalise and dent the other's hopes. It'll be just one of those those sort of fairy tale you couldn't have written this kind of games where one or the other team is, is winning with seconds to go and the other one will equalise and it'll be a disappointment for both teams. Okay, I think I think it'll be Mike Riley will win. Sorry, I mean Manchester United will win. <laughs> <laughs> C- courtesy of a VAR decision. A VAR, VAR. All right, uh, then uh, we've got <laughs> Man City against Norwich. Norwich already relegated. Man City guaranteed second place. Neither yeah. team cares. Shouldn't we rename that Norwich? Man City versus Norwich nil. Yeah, basically, yeah. I yeah, think the, so. the Guardiola has been saying he is going to rest players. His his priority is the semi-final of the Champions League mm. against Real Madrid. So it will be the, the second team of Man City against Norwich, but Norwich will still get nil and City will score. Right, OK. So that's that's a foregone. Newcastle against Liverpool. Uh, I, I think Newcastle might actually sneak that just just because they can. I think Liverpool won't be bothered at, at this point, and you know it's a nothing game. All right, Jeff. But Newcastle really don't care. No. They're, they're not playing at all. They're, they've had enough and they want to go away somewhere. <laughs> so Liverpool will win. All right, Southampton against Sheffield United. That is going to actually be a good game. Draw. <laughs> Okay, Southampton, Sheffield United, Steve? Yeah, I I think that's going to be a draw, yeah. All right, and finally, West Ham against Aston Villa. West Ham to win that one. I really think, actually, I I reckon West Ham could do a right number on Aston Villa. Mm. They might already be down by then, Villa. If Villa are down, West Ham win very comfortably. If, If not, West Ham will win by one. Well, right, let's say West Ham to win that one. <laughs> Basically, we all think that. All right, that's all we've got time for. But before we say our goodbyes, time for Jeff's trivia question with the answer. There is 
just one team in the, in the history of the football league that have been in every position in their division for the whole during the season. Okay, and the, the question was, which team is it? So they've basically they've been first, they've been twentieth, yeah. they've been eighteenth. They during one season, they've occupied, they have occupied every position. I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> right. Well, it was in the championship during the two thousand six two thousand seven season, and it was Sunderland. Wow, that's who incredible. Who yeah. started at the bottom and basically gradually moved through the season to finish top of the championship and be promoted to the Premier League. So they were actually bottom and then got promoted yep. and occupied every place every in position. position. But not in sequence. I mean, it was up, no, down, no, up, no, down. up, and down. We'll be back next week with more Hitting the Bar. But first of all, I'm Chris Kong. I'm Jeff Saunders. And I'm Steve Kenton. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Jeff. Steve Kenneth Kenton, good to see you. Been a while. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much. That was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast.